Alright. Shall we talk about the long movie? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome back to, for the first time in a long time, The Tape Crusaders. This is episode 18 something, according to Mike's artwork. It is, in fact, episode 18. Uh, this is Zack Snyder's The Justice League. Technically, The Tape Crusaders is a Batman podcast, but we did cover The Justice League the first time around, so it would make sense to do so again here. My name is Matt Waters. I, on a weekly basis, present The Matt Signal, which covers Batman the Animated Series. Uh, every weekend, I recap two episodes of that, so if you want to hear more DC talk from me, you can go there. I am joined by Mike Thomas, who has been releasing just a ton of lists about, well, everything, really, but lately a big Justice League focus. You've been watching a lot of the animated stuff, so uh, topical for both of us. Mike, how are you? It's been since Christmas, I think, since we podcasted. I'm doing well. It has been since Christmas. Matt and I use the very advanced software known as uh, Skeet Bay, I believe. (laughs) Skype! And it says our last phone call was right before Christmas. Just... no. putting me on blast um, <laughs> i use hotmail i use skype i mean you had a flip phone for a long time but but yeah it's uh i i binge watched all the justice league movies the, the small feature i'm doing on each one will start rolling out on a weekly basis yeah. on march 29th something like that yeah i've read them all i, yeah. I agree with about 75 percent of it <laughs> yeah tragically uh in my little comic book club i have a, in the high school i work at a kid we i just like one day i got tired of like reading a comic book over zoom as it's just tedious and headachey <laughs> i was like pick a justice league movie to watch and he just keeps picking the worst ones mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we just watched gods and monsters okay oh, friday oh my he's like i like crisis on two earths <laughs> no that's what he wanted to watch i was like you know what I never, I, I decided I did not want to tell you not to watch any of them, but I'd pick whatever one. I must draw the line at Crisis on Two Earths. You should instead. <laughs> but Crisis on Two Earths, I'm thinking maybe he'll go New Frontier. Yeah. Maybe he'll go Flashpoint. Something. There at least you go. Something. <laughs> he's like, Gods and Monsters. I can't, I can't pull this card twice, so we have to watch Gods and Monsters today. Mm. Instead, let's talk. Zack Snyder has at last followed through on the threat. We have the four-hour cut of the Justice League. Much discourse over the last few years about this. Joss Whedon is an asshole. Zack Snyder is an asshole. Let's say all of that up front. Um, both deplorable human beings. If at any point either of them is like praised or, or whatever or defended. Not an indictment about how we feel about them as human beings because they're both pieces of shit. But let's talk about the movies they made. For me... This is two steps forward, one step back, which is reflected in the fact I went from two stars to three. You went up to four stars, so I'm assuming you feel more positively about this than I do. Yeah, I, actually, I don't even mean this to be controversial. I, I'm not aware of Zack Snyder's personal failings. What, what are they? Uh, well, I mean, he's got the general sort of edge lordy, like, yeah, Batman's going to say fuck, and, like, why wouldn't they kill people? But, like, a story came out about, like, he told a bunch of extras that they weren't looking sad enough, so he said to everyone, let's put on our 9-11 faces, and it's like, oh, just fuck off. I, you know, not as extreme as Joss Whedon, but just not a nice person either, is my uh, is my read. But um, Okay, I mean, my read is more dumb. I think he's dumb. I think he's a bit of a, like, douchebag. I don't think he's a sex offender. I hope he's not a sex offender. This is part one of my, uh, what was it, five-part trilogy or something like that. But yeah, just if at any point I'm like 
coming out with a pro-Whedon stance, that's not me saying, I like Joss Whedon, because, yeah, fuck him. But um, I do think there are elements of what Whedon added that are better. I think there are elements of what Snyder, you know, has put back are better. That's, that's the thing for me. Everything he's put back adds on two stars, but then there are larger problems that are presented by doing that that then knock a star back off. So that's where I landed on it. Saying put back, because one of the things <laughs> I'm frustrated with with some writing out there on this, the AV Club had some really hacky coverage of it. And they were like, well, these were changes uh, uh, Snyder made to the original. I'm just like, I feel like you have not uh, do not have an understanding of what actually transpired. If you're saying that Snyder has made changes to the original. He did do reshoots. I apologize for not being clear. clear. The, the reshoots are at the end of the movie. The reshoots yeah, are not in yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. Like, the reshoots are the, the very funny epilogue. The epilogue, which is embarrassing. And I've seen some people saying, this should just be his whole next movie. And I'm like, this is the absolute worst part of this movie by far. But yeah, he for years has said, "I it's finished. I did it. It's all there. I just need some VFX touch-ups. And then I think... That is mostly true. I do think everything with Martian Manhunter he's added in post. Harry Lennox, I think he did reshoots as well. So I think it's not just the epilogue. I think that scene where he goes to Lois as Martha, I think that's new as well. But for the most part, it's just him. There's clearly some, like, one of them has picked one of the other camera angles they did for coverage or whatever. So you've got the same scene playing out, but just shot a little bit differently and i think some people are under the impression joss whedon like reshot those and like that's not the case at all but i do think that like i mean for one thing it's four fucking hours i have made my opinions about long movies very clear i don't like it when movies get up to three hours so this was not a good time for me i do think obviously some people have a higher tolerance for that but i do think it is quite a difficult thing to ask someone to watch in one sitting i watched it over two nights i know some people have like you know, I'll take a break for like 10 minutes between each part or whatever. Um, I don't know if you got through it in one. Uh, no, I couldn't. I right. had uh, heard it before parent-teacher conferences and then I had ah. finished that. <laughs> Ever the professional. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like, I, I do think viewing experience is a thing that counts against a movie. And like, I'm sure that his like fans will say, well, it's a challenging piece of film. You're not supposed to find it easy to watch. But I don't think it's challenging. I just think it's such a oh, slog. Yes. Number one, it's definitely not a challenging piece of, of movie. It's definitely, no. I don't... <laughs> no. But that's that's the thing. He points at ideas, and he, like, fumbles around the edges of them, and then he just leaves them. He's like, huh? What about this? And then he just moves on. Like, there's no exploration beyond that surface level of any of the stuff he points at. And you get these people writing these essays about how he's dealing with, like, faith and, and like, social disparity and, like economic issues and just all this stuff he's not really though is he he's just sort of what abouting so yeah i i do think that like the fact that it is difficult to watch in a single viewing does count against it i i had quite a good time with the first hour so like a lot of the you know like he he's lengthened out in particular the part where i was like oh god is this actually good do i really like this steppenwolf versus the amazons i was like this is actually a better version of this scene like they are getting more they're put- tremendous yeah they are putting up more of a fight there's like this stylized stuff with like their tactics and and everything and show them your fear we have no fear that kind of stuff i was like this is really good do i like the snyder cut and then once i got past that first hour and as we got into hours sort of three and four i was like okay i mean i like elements of it but yeah i think i think it just sort of it's death by a thousand cuts where it's like yeah a lot of these scenes by lengthening them 
or adding more scenes for each character. Like, yeah, you are inarguably making them better or, like, you know, giving some of these characters a little bit more. Sure, but, like, where do we draw the line? Like, you could always add one more character scene for a character, but, like, at some point you have to consider the overall package. And, like, you end up with things like the embarrassing hot dog scene. (laughs) It's like, that doesn't actually do anything for The Flash. Like, there's no real point of putting Iris in this movie because this isn't a Flash movie. This is just him winking and nodding and saying, like, ah, look, comic book characters, here's his love interest. And you could just lose that and just start where you started before. Cyborg obviously greatly benefits from this. Ray Fisher, like, this was a big thing with the Whedon controversy. Like, I'm not going to defend Joss Whedon. I I 100% see why he's pissed off because you're taking the best acting performance in the movie and you're just chopping it right out. Wait, who who are you saying is pissed off? Oh, I'm saying I can see why Ray Fisher is pissed. Like, I wouldn't go as far. I mean, you know, it's not for me. You know, white people tell black people how to feel about racism all the time. I'm not going to do that. I do think, though, to an extent, it's the easiest arc to lose if your mandate is to shorten a movie. His one is the most self-contained, so that is where a lot of the scalpel went. It is incredibly unfortunate to be able to join the dot that a lot of the scenes that get cut involve people of colour. So I can see where he has that point, and he goes from, as I said, like I think he's giving the best performance in the movie, to, if you look at the Whedon cut, his dialogue is so generic, and he looks like he is visibly not engaged with it as much. So adding Cyborg's arc back in, tremendously helpful there like ray fisher should be a name coming out of this and instead i think you know all of the the legal stickiness is probably going to hurt his career unfortunately but yeah I, I i enjoyed cyborg's arc for the most part like you do get stuff like fuck the world and and, and like him looking at a bear and a bull wrestling and stuff you know like that kind of stuff is a little bit like all right dude but in general like i think in particular letting joe morton act a bit more and, and or just be in it is a positive and like a lot of those scenes are really good um but then like some of what he's adding back in is, is just sort of like did this need to be here or did this scene need to be 10 minutes instead of five you know that kind of thing uh yeah uh <laughs> well i know i'm just I, I i thought you had written a monologue you were pulling a dark phoenix on me i was gonna you say were... when do you want to start your filibuster but <laughs> no i actually no i want to talk about the other stuff that yeah. you've already brought right up I mean, I think one, I really want to talk about the Amazon scene. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you've gone back and listened to our original podcast on the edited version of this movie, <laughs> but we hated that scene. Yeah, and, and I still hate it. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, we still hate it. And I rewatched it. And I remember a very distinct feeling of just like grossness watching that scene in the in the edited movie. And I was just, had the exact opposite feeling watching it this time. I mean, the, the, the line you, you cited in particular, we have no fear. I was like, I think I just got chills watching yeah. a movie. This movie. <laughs> and I like, I, how often do I get chills watching one of these dumb movies? Yeah. Like, genuine, genuine was like, holy shit. I like, I still like, in general, I'm not, I'm never going to be a huge fan of the, this one villain character and then a bunch of like CGI flying monsters. Like that dynamic is not visually interesting for me from an action perspective, but the structure of the scene was so well done that you kind of get around that issue. Yeah. Like that, that's one of my big things is like, you've just come out of, if we can cast our minds back to when this actually should have come out, you've just had wonder woman come out. It's this big smash here. Everyone's enthusiastic about 
the Amazons and Thermoskira and these badass ladies, and then the first one of the first things you do in your movie is have this ugly CGI character just mop the Slot. fucking floor with them. Yeah, like absolutely slaughter them. And like we could get into Steppenwolf in a bit, but like to to make this, you know, they they come across far stronger here. They almost have him beaten twice. Like they they toss him off the edge of the cliff, and then he like he rises and stuff like that. And it just it just comes across better. And like seeing even more of like the huge number of reinforcements that made him run away and yes yeah uh, i mean this feel this felt like a self-contained like short action film in, in yeah. the age of the movie and like connie nielsen really kills it yes like you are completely with her whether or not like and, you know like i don't have a clear understanding on several things some of the side ca- like some of this other amazon Am- amazonians sure Amazons. Amazons? Amazons. There we go. <laughs> um, it seems like they have names. I keep going to Wikipedia pages and seeing names with them. It's hard to distinguish them. But Connie Nielsen carries it on her on her shoulders, basically, yeah. and really makes it feel like they are people. They are people. Yeah. Almost by herself, she does that. Yes. The other thing that's unclear to me, I, it's always unclear to me, like, what makes Wonder Woman so much stronger than the others? But is she, she so much stronger? She's half god. She's um, the daughter of Zeus. Okay, never mind. That makes total... Well, I mean, I don't know. Makes total sense might be a but <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> yeah, like, she's so much... You know, that she's single. I'm, I'm mad at both right. of them that they didn't... So that scene ends with, like, light the, you know, light the beacons. And, like, you know, men, <laughs> men won't know what it means, but she will. Surely that should have been followed by Diana's big scene at the Old Bailey. And in both versions, that comes before the Amazon scene. It's like, that would have been a perfect scene to go to her, like, show her in action. Like, who is she? But yeah, like, I think the big thing is, when Whedon was was cutting it down, and, like, we need to remember this, this isn't Joss Whedon started from scratch and this is his attempt at the Justice League. This is, the studio were like, we can't fucking release this. Please make it two hours long and absolutely no longer. So he's, that's his job. But it's not just cutting it down, it's fundamentally changing the I mean, tone. yeah, the tone as well, like, he lightened it, and, like, literally lightened it, like, the, the colour palette of, of Thermoskira in both versions, like, it, it, it's quite... I'll never be on board with that, like, I don't... Some people like it, like, they want... They like Zack Snyder's, like, muted colours and, and oranges and browns, it's not for me, but if you like it, go for it. But, um, I do think that, like, there is a compromise here where there could have been a good releasable version of this movie that could have been more like three hours instead of four and i think like equally joss whedon could have edited this movie you know the version he has if you just give each action scene because there's like six big action scenes and i think about four of them needed to be like five minutes longer and like that would have been a nice compromise because i think he he made a lot of the interconnective tissue a little bit better like, to immediately get the plot in motion with Lex's notes about the mother boxes and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, that gives it more urgency. But then, like, that was the first one that really hit me on a rewatch. Like, it's so rushed, it's so choppy in the theatrical, um, the the Amazon fight. And those are where you really feel the differences. Um, because, like, you know, Bruce trying to recruit Arthur, that plays out about the same. Like, you swap some jokes for... Just some inhuman behaviour of people singing at the sea and smelling his jumper and stuff like that. But it's the action scenes where really, like, the scalpel has been taken to them to such a degree that they're, like, they're, they're really bad. Most of them. There, There isn't a notable action scene in the theatrical. I think Superman versus all of Like, zombie Superman versus yeah, okay, all yes, of them. Yes, But and I think what, and what we'll probably get to later is that probably, of all the action scenes, that's probably yes. been cut the least... 
Yeah, yeah. And I think the Wonder Woman one, about the same. Like, she doesn't have to blow up a bank to kill, like, one person kind of thing. But especially the Amazons, especially Atlantis, especially the weird underground tunnel and the ending, all of those feel much worse for being, like, sliced to pieces. I still have my thoughts about some of those. Like, I really miss Bruce saying to Barry, just save one that that is gone, or, you know, that that was an addition, I suppose, is more accurate. I just thought that was a nice little hero moment, and it gives Barry something else, but um, I think you in particular are very, you seem to be very into Ben Affleck in the Snyder Cut versus the theatrical. Oh, I think the, I think the, the comparison between the two is significant, he, and I think it really, it's less... Affleck is not definitely not on his game as much here as he was in Batman vs Superman. Yeah, he was all in for but, that. He was like, "I'll show you I can be fucking Batman." I think the, the characterization and the development of his character between the two films is much stronger here mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. than the theatrical one, and, it, and particularly, you know, there's there are a couple of subtle dis- differences that I think though are distinct enough to be important. One, the, the basically they come down to the two scenes. I think they're both in the Batcave, but it's also, it's so unclear. It, there's one or there's the lab and then there's one in the Batcave. Yeah, yeah. And I think the scene where they decide, they come to the realization that it's possible to revive Superman plays out much more organically here. And the way it plays kind of like as a group, like it's all, like it's all obviously on their minds. I think that's more emotionally effective. Yes. Than Bruce just kind of being a brat about it. And it's not to say that Bruce is not a brat, but it was so on the nose in the theatrical cut that I found it less effective. Particularly in the theatrical cut, like, we can guess who shot what, like, you know, I think now we have some evidence of what, that a lot of things that appeared in the theatrical cut were not, that were not in the, the new one, or whatever, the original, <laughs> um, were shot by Whedon. But the particular little, like, spiteful little line was like, have you, have you asked Steve Trevor about that? I'm just like... I think it's very clear who wrote that line now. And it's just a really gross line. It's like very inhuman, very unlikable. And then uh, the second big scene is the Batcave after reviving Superman goes to shit and everyone's getting temporarily hopeless and Batman's like, or Bruce is like, but he hasn't fought all of us. Like he hasn't seen all of us unite. And I'm just like, oh, you stupid idiot. Like it, this, it's just this, uh, it's very reminiscent of uh, Jack, in Lost to Me, where <laughs> you take this guy that is just completely certain at all times that he knows what to do, and he's almost, he's basically wrong every single moment of the time. And I cannot think of a more accurate characterization of what Bruce Wayne would be like in his late 40s still doing this for 20 to 30 years. <laughs> like, we talked about it before, but like, nothing in Gotham is better. I don't, we don't know if Gotham is worse, but it, the, the total lack of uh, self-reflection and self-introspection. Like when he says the line, that's just a strategy for losing more slowly. Slowly. I'm just like, what have you been doing in Gotham all this time? You have been losing more slowly. It's very odd. Like they don't hammer it in over us, but it's very clear that Gotham is still a shithole at this point in time. So he has made no tangible impact. And I think that is just exactly where late stage Bruce Wayne should be. An idiot who is very convinced even when he thinks he is like, oh my God, I was wrong. And he just swings to the other side of the pendulum and then is just wrong all over again in brand new ways. <laughs> and I think the way like uh, Affleck 
portrays that certitude, but that he's like, he manages to play this layer of, I completely believe in what I am saying, despite being completely wrong in brand new ways. I think it's really, really well done, even if it's not as good as the last go around. You and I agree that like, in you've with all those animated movies you've been watching, we really like the characterization of like everybody being a little bit creeped out by Bruce or thinking he's a bit like just rolling their eyes at Bruce because he's just like right. such a fucking sociopath. He's such sometimes an idiot, like so stubborn to a comical degree. Yeah, I, I think we both enjoy that characterization rather than like he is the triumphant leader or whatever. Um, so I agree with that. I think most of the Basically, all of the conversations where they're all just standing around a table talking were completely reshot by Whedon. And I think most of them he improved. I think in particular, the one he did not improve uh, is them coming into a, to a consensus on bringing Superman back to life. Because he does add... That, that line you said about Steve Trevor, like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a dickish line. But that comes after... He, he introduces this beat where he is basically trying to needle at Diana to step up and be like a Superman-esque level of inspiration and like, you know, show yourself to the world a bit more and that kind of thing. And like, it becomes Bruce versus Diana at the expense of the other three who are just passively standing there, just willing to go with whichever one of them talks the loudest kind of thing. And it is a beat that is revisited and like, there's that scene where like, he's half unsuited and like, he has to pop his shoulder back in and like, he looks like shit in that scene. Like Ben Affleck looks like a mess kind of thing. And I think that one didn't do him any favors, but I do like that they revisit that conversation. They have that moment of like, you were right, you were right, blah, 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 blah. Because that's, I think that's the, that's one of the biggest differences you can see in these two scripts is Whedon is from that school of thought of set it up and pay it off. And that's throughout the whole movie. And I think Zack Snyder is much more about set it up do something else kind of thing and so i do think overall that conversation plays out worse but it's because he's coming from that perspective of he wants to establish a like these are the two like big egos in the room and let, let, let's pay that off and you can see it throughout like the op bruce and arthur at the beginning he's like that's not a saying that's the opposite of the saying that doesn't mean i'm wrong and then he says you're out of your mind and he says, that doesn't mean I'm wrong. So it's like, there's a lot of stuff like that. And he brings back the, tell me, do you bleed? Which Zack Snyder said would be a dumb thing to say. And it's like, no, he's he's trying to help your dumb movie like by bringing back that line. So I think, you know, Whedon is concerned with all of that. And sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's for the worse. And like, I, I do think that like, you do get a lot of everyone who isn't Bruce or Diana kind of comes across as a passive idiot in his version. Um, and Snyder is... I do like that scene where they are collectively coming to this conclusion and like adding a line to the thought each, that kind of thing. Um, it's so difficult because I, I, it does just kind of play out over four hours and like you'll just be asked to drop a whole plot beat for half an hour and then pick it back up and care about it. And it's like, oh God, are we doing this again? Right, sorry. Whereas the thing that really blew me away about watching Whedon's version straight afterwards is you do just fly through it. And a lot of those scenes suffer for how quickly you fly through them, but you can kind of just sort of get through it really, really quickly. Well, that's what I like about movies, getting through them. Well, to an extent, yes. I don't want to sit here and be like, oh God, how much longer is left in this fucking thing? And I did get that sense. I was like, how are there three hours left? How are there two hours left? How is there an hour left? And I think if a movie just sort of flies by and you're like, oh, cool, that I, that's a better experience for me. Like, unless you are being challenging, which he is not. He is just overwhelming with just, he's just stuffed this fucking thing with ideas. 
and there just is not time for them all. Question of challenging versus not challenging, I think it's a question of being invested in the characters. And for me, I think the difference you and I have is I don't like I don't see anything about Victor Stone's arc that is in any way uh, expendable. Like I like that is absolute. I I, I said in my write up, it's not he's not front and center, but he's center. He's basically uh, the main character. <laughs> yeah, he has by far the most vital role to connect all the emotion of the movie and not all the emotion works and i think i mean for instance and it's not perfect a good example is i think momoa gets kind of a a weak introduction here i I think his arc is going from not caring to completely caring is just completely different arc than you know victor stone being you know essentially what looks like an 18 to 20 year old who has always clearly had a sense of wanting to be some type of leader wanting to make the world a better place and having no idea what to be do what to do about it and is then presented on a path very whereas momoa's character is just so really at the polar opposite of where he would need to be to do something Mm -hmm. that his feels really rushed even in this movie yeah and to me he was very clearly the weak point which is odd because he was the one everyone was enthusiastic about the first time because in the breezy version you know like the movie you can just get through easily like he's the highlight because he's the only one who seems to be enjoying himself being in this movie (laughs) Uh, and i think i think that kind of speaks to you know why it's not a good thing to put two, you know, not to fetishize the concept of auteurs, but they're both Whedon and Zack Snyder are two people with clear points of view, mm-hmm. two clear visual senses, and two sen- sense of sensibilities of what a film or what a TV show, uh, in the case of Whedon, should be. And combining them into one movie is a really weird thing to do. It's a really, really weird thing to do. And it's part of the reason why our reaction to Justice League is just so the the, the, the theatrical cut is just so what is happening like it just doesn't make sense it doesn't feel like a cohesive movie and in the concept of that Jason Momoa just having a good time and then we didn't rewriting him basically just to be mostly having a good time Hmm. becomes fun I I, I do like that like my man is in both versions like there are a ton of lines that people have assumed that Whedon wrote that it has turned out Snyder wrote like a lot of Barry's little I need friends and all that sort of I, shit. I give him a lot of credit for not scrapping that line because mm-hmm. I think I totally, if I had not to pass that off on somebody else, I totally would have. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. I, I don't think Cyborg's arc is expendable. I'm, I, I think it's some of the best stuff in the movie. I would like almost, I would say that arc alone adds a star onto the movie. It's, I'm more saying that like. If you are given the task, you must make this movie two hours. What's the cleanest thing to lose? It's the one where he's off by himself kind of thing. Like, Barry and Bruce are tied together. Arthur and Bruce are tied together. Like, all of this sort of stuff. Cyborg spends a lot of time by himself or with his dad and and that sort of stuff. So it's the cleanest thing to lose. I don't think it's good that they lost it. It's just, I, I get why he went at that arc in particular. It's just incredibly unfortunate that that whole arc contains a lot of people of color, including, like... Ryan Choi, the scientist, and, like, another of these Easter eggs that he's putting in, and, like, Iris, the love interest for Barry, and stuff like that, and, you know, does it speak more to the fact that there should be more people of colour in the main cast, rather than as supporting characters? Probably. But I do really like Victor's arc. I do really like Silas, in particular. I thought Joe Morton did a really good job. Um, Probably, 
arguably gives the best performance in the movie. Yeah. And I say someone who is a fan of what Ray Fisher and Affleck were doing here. I mean, Joe Morton really knocks it out of the park in a yeah. what could easily been a totally you know phoned in role where you know he could like sleepwalk through the role and he'd be fine and no one would notice or say anything. Yeah. Really, like the whole the everything with Morton Fisher really just yeah is the connective emotional tissue of this movie to me. Totally. And it's a huge reason why it is shockingly emotionally effective for a movie that has Zack Snyder's name on it. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, this is the closest he's gotten, I think, to making something interesting. Oh, absolutely. I, I like, and I, like, I want to be clear here. I don't like almost anything about Snyder's point of view style or sensibilities beyond the fact that i think he actually is a pretty good action director uh, yes and no i think he can make a good shot i don't think he can make a good scene is my thing um, i don't think i have a lot of emotion going into the characters in the scene but i'm like aesthetically i'm like yes i do like ben affleck murkin fucking he seems so much more like useful at the end of this movie than he did in the theatrical where he just kind of looks like he's like flying by the seat of his pants and he's like I'll just drive the fucking car I don't know whereas he's like this one man hit squad assaulting the tower in, in this version oh yeah absolutely um, yeah so I, mean, I mean to me I just cannot I, I mean like even to accept the premise of removing Victor Stone from this movie is just so yeah. absurd to me yeah. like I don't even it and now makes sense why the first or you know the first released one doesn't even feel like a movie like you know what i'm saying like it just without him it doesn't there's i don't see the movie i can't see a movie he's the emotion of it for sure like he there's no other way to put it yeah you're right (laughs) he's the emotion of it i think he is the most like triumphant thing that snyder was was doing and i see why ray fisher was pissed off um well i mean not to mention that you know like Apparently, Joss Whedon told him, I, your skin is too dark. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're... <laughs> I think what you mean is your DP is bad at his job. Um... <laughs> There's a lot of reasons why he'd be pissed off. Yeah, totally. And, like, you've got, like, the booyah line, which, like, you know, that is Cyborg's catchphrase. Oh. He's trying to, like, pay homage to the classic character. He, he's, like, in the mode of Cyborg as a Teen Titan whole dap scene with flash <laughs> racially charged yeah um, it's just weird it's just like yeah. it's just i think one of the things that was most baffling about this experience to me is that when i heard they spent seven million dollars and i heard the word pickup shots reshoots or whatever i'm thinking okay i always heard snyder left about halfway through mm-hmm. and the circumstances of which snyder left we have a lot more details about and are a lot more fucked up than we once realized uh-huh. i just kind of assumed he got halfway through shooting the movie and I just was just like, yeah, they had to reshoot everything. And the first question I asked somebody afterwards is like, man, I don't know if this was, which shot was reshot, whatever, whatever. Man, this is really different. And then it came out that it was really just the epilogue that's reshot. And I'm just like, yep. you had all of this here? Yeah. You were like, no, we need to erase the heart of the movie. We need to make the villain stupider. Oh, God, right. Can we, t- can we talk about Steppenwolf? Because for me, he goes from being a non-entity to being bad and like, is that worse? You know, like bad in this. I think he's bad in this movie. Yeah, I think he's nothing in the theatrical, which is arguably worse than being bad. But like, I think the design is fucking horrible in Snyder's. Like the constantly moving armor, all of that stuff. Hate that look. 
Wait, wait, why do you hate that look? I'm, I'm, I'm completely shocked. I thought we were about to be in total agreement on no, this. No, I, I prefer Whedon's design of Steppenwolf. He's obviously like removed any sense of character he has, so he's he's literally a non-entity. But to look at, I can't stand looking at Snyder's Steppenwolf. Like that armor that is just shiny and like constantly moving and st- I, I hate it. I hate it so so much. But you know that's whatever. Like he he likes that kind. Of, I I didn't like looking at a lot of his character designs. The idea of a suit that is constantly adapting to like what situations and providing like ultimate flexibility. It just looks really horrible. Like why has it got the little tassels if it's entirely metallic? Like it's not a material. It's like a. The only time I liked it was when um when Darkseid arrives and he like humbles himself by like taking it off kind of thing. Um, that was the first time I was like, okay, that's cool. But throughout i'm just looking at this thing and it's like this is just a cg blob well i mean i don't disagree i don't like as i said this is not what i'm looking for in a villain of any kind but i mean i i am shocked that you find this worse than what was happening before definitely i not the character like the the just looking at it purely the design i just don't like it i don't think it drives well with like already i don't like his brown gray orange color palette and then you throw that in there and i just don't like it but you know, they do add in these scenes where he's, like, begging to Dasad, begging to Darkseid, all of this sort of stuff. He's crying. You know, it's like, okay, there's maybe something here. But they've also just massively overcomplicated things by adding Darkseid in. Because he is their Thanos-level endgame. He is the big, 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 big bad of DC. And, like, he's who they're going to build to and all of this. He goes down like a fucking punk in that flashback scene. Like, Ares just puts an axe in his shoulder and he off he goes and it's like so he's weaker than steppenwolf and now you're trying to tell me he's stronger than him i did not approve of like putting dark side in, in that flashback scene um and if you just don't do that if you just leave that as steppenwolf and then dark side is just this ominous person he's talking to it's like okay cool that works but i feel they completely like cut his legs out from under him there is no room in this for the anti-life equation like that is far too complicated of a thing to be inserting into a movie that's already four hours long. Stuff like that I, I didn't jive with in terms of the villains. And, like, all of the... Everyone other than Darkseid, like Steppenwolf, Dasad, all of his little followers, they all look like Snoke. They have this kind of generic, gaunt, grey alien look that I, I just don't like. I wish there was a little bit more, like, visual difference between them all, that kind of stuff. He wants this anti-life equation so he can he can rule the universe. He's conquered a hundred thousand planets trying to find it. What is that going to do for you that you can't do already if you've conquered a hundred thousand planets? All of that. And I think this this gets to one of the sensibilities of Snyder that I don't particularly care for, which is that he is not uh, he does not care about the details so much. No. And a good example of that is. It was like acting like they didn't know this was the planet that defied him, the only planet. Like, wouldn't that be the only thing on his mind? Yeah. Like, like, like they jumped into the ship. And, like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's some, like, oh, they jumped into some sort of portal afterwards. And blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, that was just like, I watched it the first time through and I was like, I think I'm misunderstanding something. And I'm like, no, no. This was just a case of where Darkseid forgot about the one planet that defied him the one planet that defied him mm-hmm. as the afterlife like what would you like to hear what the anti-life equation is 
Loneliness plus alienation plus fear plus despair plus self-worth divided by mockery divided by condemnation divided by misunderstanding multiplied by guilt multiplied by shame multiplied by failure multiplied by judgment n equals y where y equals hope and n equals folly love equals lies life equals death self equals dark side. <laughs> Comic books are fucking dumb. And speaking of which... <sighs> So I think a lot of people object to the quips. And like, if you don't find the quips funny, that's fine. I do object to the idea that you you have to be super fucking serious all the time. Because this is, comic books are fundamentally really silly. It's people in spandex, it's gods, it's aliens, it's mutants, it's time travel. It's all sorts of dumb, 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 dumb shit. And trying to like play it 100% straight and everything must be grim, dark, serious... I, I object to that. And like the idea that you can't do quips and then also deliver drama, I think that's, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Like, Whedon has delivered some like all-time great drama moments. Like, again, piece of shit. But he has done both. So I think I think some people just see quips and they just like, you're like, ugh, like, this is for kids. This is dumb. I want my super serious Snyder movie where people are actually like doing whatever. But then he just clearly doesn't have an understanding of how humans behave. No, he doesn't. He, and uh, I think you kind of see a hint of that again here. I watched the the ultimate cut on your recommendation. <laughs> yeah. As you seem to have forgotten. I, I stand by it. I think that is a better version. <laughs> Not necessarily good still, but better. One of the things about it that I actually absolutely disliked is uh, the quote-unquote normal people character that are thrown in there. <laughs> and the way they are used in that one in particular to just provide... Not not plot exposition, character motivation exposition, exposition to like create motivation for the main characters. I'm just like, this is the weirdest thing. This is like the weirdest lack of understanding of people I have ever seen, mm. I think, yeah. in a movie where you're just like, I'm going to insert normal people. So people like think like, oh, yeah, this is really affecting real people and then just make them completely inhuman people. Yeah. Uh, it's just it was just bad. There's thankfully less of that here because there's simply, even in four hours, there's no time for it. Except for the cop character, who is just, like, from a different universe. It's the uh, original Jimmy Olsen, I think. Oh, is that who it is? I, th like, I, just, I think so, yeah. His interactions with uh, Lois, who who is essentially a cipher in this movie. I, I, <laughs> I don't get anything about... I don't even know if it's even worth getting into unless you feel have strong feelings about Amy Adams as Lois. But anyway, mm. like, there's just a hint of that there. I'm just like, man, I really never need to see Zack Snyder's interpretation of a regular human being. And I think that gets to why this one is feels like of all the comic book movies he's made, the one that's felt the most cohesive is because he is not interested in human beings. He is interested in gods. Mm -hmm. And he's interested in gods' internal struggles to be gods. And he has created his very dumb version of the Fellowship of the Ring here. <laughs> and yeah. That's a door and they connected the three rings and they took apart the three rings and you know saruman went down at the end they lit the beacons uh, as well come on uh. they lit the be like, like it's so you know, <laughs> line to make fun of because he has a very special type of brain but what he said <laughs> part trilogy i was like motherfucker you think man of steel and batman versus superman are the fucking hobbit mm -hmm. because he says he has three just he had three justice league plans i'm just like i can see it now you have this one, and then you have the next one. It's the big world-ending battle. And then the third one is some variation of, like, Flash reversing time. I think what he said was the next movie would be, like, all the armies of Earth go to the 
take on Darkseid. <sighs> okay, yeah. So you you know you said like this might be his best movie because he's in- disinterested in people. I also think I agree, but I also think. It's his best one because the character he understands the least, Superman, is fucking relegated until three hours into the movie. Like, he continues to just not understand Superman. And that that, that his epilogue ends in yet another tease of evil Superman, a thing he has put into now three movies. You know, if you consider Batman versus Superman, and then, you, you know, him waking up and, like, trying to fight them all and now his end game is evil superman it's like you just don't get this at all like we all went through our phase of like oh evil superman that's cool and then we grew up and we realized actually boy scout superman kind of owns and he just isn't interested in him he doesn't understand him i hate man of steel it's probably more competently made than a lot of his movies are but i just i just don't like his take on superman but like yeah to like leave him until right at the end i think that helps a great deal and then he turns up and he you know, fucking picks his black suit out of his, uh, you know, what's my most goth outfit so I can wear it for the big finale and stuff like that. It's... Well, I think is probably the best scene with, like, that exists in both movies, which is Superman versus uh, the Justice League. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Great scene. Like, him turning to, like, see Barry. Amazing. That was re- the flash part that was removed. Uh, and, like, I'm, that is not even, that's a rare time where I'm not criticizing removal. Like, whatever. Like, you're cutting stuff. That in particular, I was just like, whoa, that was cool. Yeah. Like, that was like, that's something I've never seen before. Yeah, that was really cool. And like, I don't know if I'm 100% in on you with, with Baflex's arc, but a part, the part of it I really liked was that moment of truth where Superman like locks eyes on Batman. Like he's dealing with the other four and then he finally sees Bruce and Bruce is like, oh shit. And like his, his like faith in this idea is really being put to the test and Superman is like coming for him. I really, yeah. I really did enjoy that. I thought that worked really well. I also liked about that, about the original now, is that, and I, I originally was like, I was initially confused, but I'm glad Lois actually got to come up with something, you know, like, yeah. as opposed to her being like the brainchild of Bruce, like, again, who is an idiot and is wrong about everything. <laughs> is that like, Lois was the like, who like came and showed up and was like, like, uh, do you remember me? Whereas the only thing Bruce can think of is some technological thing to help it. And obviously that was not going to be enough. Yeah. I was kind of expecting not to like that as much, but I actually think it's it's a better version of it. Yeah, but like I don't bring out the big guns and it's Lois in a car and it's like, it's a deal so that she will then talk him into saving the world. It's like, that. that's not quite as good. But, but then like, I like Whedon being like, you know, he's like, what does it feel like coming back to life? And he's like, it feels itchy, and like, I just got out of a wooden box, and like, all of that stuff. I like I like that. I think that plays well, but yeah. I, I, just... like, I like the shot with the three of them. I like the shot, like, where he's hugging both of them. Yep. I think Snyder, for all of his dumbness, mm-hmm. really loves moms. I, I think <laughs> I think Snyder really loves the moms. He like, does. He's a big he fan of the moms. He thinks, like, we need to respect the moms more. And you know what? He's probably right. He is probably, probably right. Yeah. <laughs> we need to, like, give more credit to the moms out there. I Like, I do, like, I think he sees that as, like, a really important relationship. And, like, this whole notion that, like, essentially this Superman is an alternate reality Superman where what if Pa Kent was a libertarian? <laughs> it's really weird. And it's... I don't think I have a problem with it to, to the extent that you do, mostly because I've yet to see a Superman I'm truly interested in. Mm. But Maybe Tanahasi Coates can do that for you. Oh, God. Have you read his fiction and comic books? Some of the worst... That, that movie is not going to be good. Really? Anyway. Okay. I like his Black Panther, but... 
his novel is one of the worst. Like it's most people are only good at one thing in life. Like <laughs> autobiographical essays is not. And yes, I just changed the pronunciation of autobiographical to autobiographical. Yeah, put the wrong um, emphasis on it. Oh. <laughs> um, most people are good at more than one thing in life. Like I like it's not weird. It's not an insult to him that he's a bad novelist. I'm just like no, like I don't know. I, if that movie is good, I'll be surprised. Okay. Anyway. Because my interest in Superman is low, mm-hmm. I don't have an emotional stake in he doesn't understand Superman beyond the fact that I don't think Man of Steel is all that interesting in the movie. No. I, and what a big thing I prefer is like if you are going to kill Superman, however temporarily, there should be a significant amount of time before he recovers and it should not be an hour later. <laughs> yeah. And that was the biggest issues is just like how rushed that movie is like. They don't earn the Superman revival whatsoever. No, and like, you know, the rumors years ago were that he was going to do two movies and part one ends with them. Like, Superman comes back to life and then looks at them evilly and it's like, oh shit. But like, who fucking knows at this point? Yeah. I think it's so much more earned here. And then you spend so much less time with, you know, supposedly good Superman that it, I I don't find it a problem at all in this one. I like, I think it's by far his best portrayal of Superman. Yeah, 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 definitely. Across the three movies, this is this is as close as he's gotten to understanding Superman. But then, like, he still will put in, like, you know, picking that black suit and then, like, not impressed when Steppenwolf tries to stab him and, like, these kinds of things. It's like, Superman isn't a badass. Superman's kind of a dork. I just, yeah, I just, that just doesn't seem like a Superman line. But whatever, like, this is the closest he's gotten to being good at Superman, I think. And I don't even know if it's a question of good versus bad Superman. It's just, like, the least one where I'm like, you're annoying. Like, <laughs> I found him effective. Yeah. I found the characterization effective for the movie, the story that the movie was telling. Yeah, and it's nice to not have to look at the weird mustache face. Yes, that is a very <laughs> weird corporate decision to be like. Must him in this movie right now, no matter what the cost. The power of Mission Impossible Fallout. I want to circle back, though, because you brought up Steppenwolf. Yeah. Get, we've got focus on the look uh yeah, yeah, yeah one we talked about last time like i forget how you feel but i'm a big fan of, of sierra and Hins. i am uh, too the, i am too i was excited they cast him and then I, absolutely yeah and like i was like wow they cast like an actual just good actor for the villain instead of just going for a name which they could have easily have done mm-hmm. like and then his character which i really hesitate to even use that word in the uh the 2017 cut yes it's so embarrassing. It's just he's uh, he's just insane. He got beaten in a fight and he went insane and he thinks the boxes are his mother and it's like and then in this like you know you do have this like there's a hint at more something has gone on. They give him some motivation that is recognizable as a sentient being's motivation. Yes. And it made such a difference. I don't like it. This is not like man, Steppenwolf is the new Darth Vader motherfucker. It's going to go down time. No, this is a case where the sake for comparison, the movie benefits from comparison because I was just like, man, here comes fucking Steppenwolf, the fucking stupidest fucking thing in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I will finally prove my worth. I'm like to him again. I'm like, what? Who? Wait. And then I found out, wait, this was here the entire time and you changed it to like his weird anti-mother thing? (laughs) I I do like his like whipped dog syndrome with Darkseid that like... He's giving it all that, and then when Darkseid is actually about to appear, and, like, you know, the parademon sensing he's coming first, and them all kneeling and stuff like that, and then, like, he is such a, like, whimpering fool. Yeah. 
Um, I think that worked really well. And like begging with Dasad to like, oh, can I come back after I conquer this planet? And then Darkseid's like, no, 50 more or something like that. It's more effective dynamic for just one being entertaining, but two, just to provide some tension with like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it creates a level of desperation in, in the villain that's far more interesting to watch and makes the end far more effective that you like, even if there's like no world ending stakes, like there is stakes for this dude. That actually, I, I thought that was shockingly well done. Yeah. Probably the best, like, non-entity villains we've seen in the last one, right? Like, ah. in terms of, like, there's, like, the, you know, the actual, like, he's not supposed to be Magneto. He's not supposed to be Thanos. He's okay, not to right. Be. If you're going to, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say that Thanos sucks. The thing I... is, like, basically anyone below that level is treated as nothing. <laughs> and I'm saying... Of that nothing level, he's. Cl- I think this has to be the best one. Yeah, like Ronan in Guardians of the <laughs> Galaxy or whatever. Like, yeah, those kinds of villains. I mean, Apocalypse is supposed to be a big villain, but that fell very, very fucking flat. Um, oh no, and not to say that the top villains are all like done well. Yeah, yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm yeah, saying- I, I get you. Yeah, the ones that like are very clearly like you are a second stringer or a third stringer. Right. Like, I think this might be the best one, and no probably. small part. I mean, Sian Hens is just a really good actor. He is, yeah. uh, and it's actually funny. I did some googling, and it turns out he is the earliest person, the earliest, I guess, person in Hollywood to be like. I have no idea what they were thinking. The original version of this was much better. That's the film I made. Like as of late two 2000- thousand. 17 he was he was on record with this it's just so random i mean like one also like if i was him i'd be really pissed off if like i went from a character to mother (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. i i agree but to there is the part where like he clearly never stepped foot on that set like he was just in a booth so like he can say the dialogue they had me read was worse but like does he actually know what the individual scenes were like like no but I, I don't know what the process is, but like, it, it just, it's just odd. Like, if you had told me that two months ago, I would have been like, like, why does he even care? Like, I what mean, difference? It, it's the difference it, between can you do some acting and can you do a voice, please? No, and that's what, is that two months ago, I could not have imagined that this was actually a character. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, this was the the biggest surprise to me that this was actually a character. Yeah, yeah. I still, you know, my preferences always going to be collective of human like i i would be interested to see a hypothetical like lex luther and deathstroke and you know insert another four villains or whatever i i think that would always be more interesting to me just as long as none of them are the cats no cat <laughs> no fan of cheetah <laughs> i mean not <that's> cheetah <laughs> <laughs> that fucking epilogue like you know, here's Mira, who inexplicably has an English accent after, in the movie he fucking shot, she didn't. And then Jared Leto, like, they've improved, the, they've improved the visual design, like, they've toned all that shit down from Suicide Squad, and yes, hand up, I, I am on record saying I liked his, I, I was sort of into his Joker in Suicide Squad, I regret elements of that, but he is so much worse here, I thought. He is he is an embarrassment yeah. to the craft. He is an embarrassment to human beings. Yeah. He should be nowhere yeah. near people. He should be nowhere near allowed at a Hollywood set. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that thing the other day of like, you know they could just cast an older actor instead of casting Jared Leto and aging him up. Especially in the mess that is DC, there is so much room to just simply excommunicate anybody. Like, hell, 
they could establish that both versions of the film are canon. And what, like, what would you, would you bat an eyelash in terms of like DC, like, no. diverse, like, like, I don't like, who knows, like get rid of him. Like he just doesn't need to be there. No, he doesn't. And like the, the other four just stand there while Bruce and the Joker have this five minute intense conversation about, you know, he killed Robin and like, I promised Harley and he's like and I will fucking kill you and it's like and they're just standing there watching this like it's just so self-indulgent and unnecessary yes, it is. I think Affleck makes that line read work line read work because like that's the kind of movie he normally makes is I will fucking kill you but it's just an embarrassing line for him to have to try and make work and it's an embarrassing scene I think Affleck salvages the scene to make it watchable yeah, I think yeah, also, yeah. Like, like I felt like it was a very comic book scene a bit. Like, <laughs> a lot of times I'll read a comic book and you're a much bigger fan of the, the form than I am, but yes. I'm just like, I guess this one is just still going, huh? And there's more <laughs> stuff at the end and I don't understand any of it. And, okay. <laughs> and that's generally kind of what the vibe I got from it. The idea that oh, Joker is their only hope, how are they going to explain that one? It's like, I understand why you would attempt to write that, but you have just botched the execution of this completely and like, you've brought Leto back, he's fucking awful. <laughs> that's my is that's my big takeaway from the scene unfortunately is that leto is really bad and really you had a perfectly good reason to do literally anybody else here yeah you could that could have been where you recast the joker like i mean it gets a bit icky because obviously like like we know affleck is going to be back at least once more but like patterson is is batman now and like are you going to cast Pattinson's Joker in this movie? And then it, I don't, I don't fucking know. But you like, literally like cast Matthew McConaughey for five, uh, five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Though? Like cast <laughs> yeah. anybody. You, like just cast anybody you want. Yeah. Like it's whatever. Yeah. Like, and this is my part where it's like I, I don't think Zack Snyder is a bad human being. I think Zack Snyder is a dumb human being. Yeah. And dumbness can lead to some fun stuff, as we've seen and documented <laughs> at times over the last five years of doing this now. And also that dumb human being can lead to dumb stuff, which is not recognizing that Jared Leto should just not fucking be anywhere near this fucking any. But if we're being uh, real, Jared Leto is like his exact kind of actor, isn't he? Like Zack Snyder <laughs> is the kind of guy that's like, yeah, Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, it's not surprising. That's what I, that's my point. Though. <laughs> this is not a we are revi- we are reviving the critical opinion of Zack Snyder. No. It is this is oh my god. Yeah. Everything came together, and my big one of the big things. My big things I've been thinking about after watching this movie was I've been thinking a lot about the Dark Knight Rises and the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and I hate five-hour scripts that are condensed to two and a half hours. Yes, I hate. I hate them. It drives me fucking nuts. I think this is one of the weirdest accidents in the world. It's one of the weirdest Hollywood stories in the world, and I much prefer this version than a two and a half version. Where you want to see the five hour, like just make the five hour movie is your thing. Yes. Yeah. Just make it. Yeah. And, and I'm like, change your script. Like, don't make it a five hour movie. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. And part of the dumb energy of Snyder is that he very clearly has the mentality of, I want to make the movie I want to make. And if only 50 people see it on DVD, so be it. Right. And he's not emotionally invested in the theatrical cuts of his movies yeah i kind of respect that mentality but i'm not like going to expect to like any movie that's released in the theater you know that he makes and i can hold both of those thoughts separately and you know not like feel like they're in conflict with each other the ultimate cut of batman like a superman i'm just like oh this actually is a coherent movie yeah 
But when you lose that coherence in his movies, all you're left with are his music videos, videos, his visual (laughs) styles and his sensibilities, none of which are directly appealed to me. But when you bring back the heart and coherence of the movies, they make them much, much better. Yeah, I do think it's like concerning that like this dude cannot make he he can't bring his vision in in less than three hours. Like that that is a bit of a problem. Like I understand. Like I think every director would like a few more minutes, and like studios get a little bit too edit happy and get and freak out about you know a movie must be exactly this long. But like if you're physically incapable of delivering one of these in under three hours, three and a half hours, four hours, like that that is a problem. To me, it's more strange than a problem. It's more like. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't relate to it as because, I mean, I'm not someone who creates. I can't, like, relate to, well, for instance, the things I do create, they have to be fucking 45 minutes because the kids have to fucking grow. <laughs> um, but, like, I can't relate to this, like, I have this unquenchable desire to tell this very specific story. But that um, I think that's the thing. I think his stories aren't specific. I think he needs so much to be going on to get to his end point. And I don't think he is good enough at finding that like central. Let me re- let me re- rephrase. I don't think his stories are specific. I think his vision is specific. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't connect on a human level to that like need or that ability to be like I have a specific vision and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and like uh, fuck you, I'm making it. There's good. I think there's a black and white version that's about to be added to HBO Max. Um... Now, I'm just, I'm actually really thankful that it was, I, I was afraid recently that's what was coming out on Thursday. And I was like, that's going to be stupid. And it looked, <laughs> I, I don't like that this whole, like, you know, like you're either make a black and white movie or don't. And also most modern black and white movies look terrible. Like, I don't like, they don't understand coloring. Like most all black and white movies are gray and white, by the way, but they're not fucking black and white. Like you can't even see Mank. Like you <laughs> It's just a, it's just fucking uh, doomsday the entire time. I watched this movie, and I thought sometimes the stars align. I have, I didn't watch this movie and thought, man, the next Justice League that Zack Snyder's allowed to be made is gonna be great. Well, it was I- more, <laughs> this specific movie told in this specific way was the probably where the best mo- this is probably the best of Zack Snyder DC movie is going to be. Yeah, this is his this is his DC masterpiece. This is it. This is all he has in this him. This is the end. I am terrified they are going to hand him a bunch of money to go make that epilogue as a whole movie. I don't I wouldn't say I'm not concerned because I'm a big fan as we've talked about the nightmare sequence. Yeah, you and I are like the only two people I know that like it in Batman versus Superman. And we've been that way from the beginning. Oh yeah. Um like, there's a lot of Johnny-come-latelys on that sequence yeah. out there. <laughs> and we are the originals. Um, <laughs> and here's my th- here's the catch with it, though. One of the big reasons I like it is that its lack of clarity of what it means. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the mystery box that is a future follow-up to this movie it, in our heads is much better than whatever it could be. I think Zack Snyder's got a little bit of J.J. Abrams in him. Oh, in yeah. That, <laughs> not visually, not even like, almost, it, the only, excuse me, this, they have one sensibility in common, which is that they are very good at creating a box. They are not very good at explaining what's inside. 100%, yeah. And other than that, they're very, very different filmmakers. And they both love Chris Terrio. No. Um, <laughs> that man. That man has done a lot of damage to the world. <laughs> Manages to complete one mission and not fuck it up, and you get an Oscar for it. Fuck that asshole. 
<laughs> I don't think any follow-up could possibly live up to the intrigue that is the nightmare sequences that I that I get from the nightmare sequences. Like there's True. I I I think the scenes with Batman in the goggles and the uniform and the trench coat, I'm just like, yes. In my my heart is like, give me more. Yeah. My brain is like, let's actually extrapolate what this looks like. And odds are it's probably not that good. Yeah. The fun is in like thinking, how did he get here? And and he will not be able to give you an answer to that that will be satisfying. Like I think this is the story he was meant to make. Yes. I, like I said, like it's a really dumb version of Fellowship of the Ring, <laughs> and I I say that with sincerity. Like it's like I like if you want a dumb version of Fellowship of the Ring and all that that comes with it, this is as close as we're ever gonna get. They even have the Galadriel prologue moment in the in the middle of the movie in the context for all this. And I know you, I'm not bothered by the dark side complications, though I definitely agree some of the details of, wait a second. A lot of, as we talked about, the details are kind of strange. Like, wait, one god hurt him and he just ran away? Mm-hmm. What? What? Afterlife? What's anti-life? What, why didn't he remember this place? But I actually, I found, again, the details are not where Zack Snyder strong. Broad strokes, I actually really enjoyed that sequence. You know, I'm all about, I'm all about the, the prologue to Lord of the Rings. I just wish that was still Steppenwolf to find a way for like maybe that's why he's banished as he failed to conquer this world once before and then you can have your best of both kind of thing I think you could have had both of them in there I think you could have had Darkseid on the ship Steppenwolf fails yeah yeah there you go something like that this is Steppenwolf trying to make amends yes exactly yeah and I, I think I think Darkseid being like you know on the other side of the portal I think talking to him, all that, I think all of that is effective. I think trying to shove in the anti-life equation is just, like, winking and nodding at fans just to do it. Because, I mean, let's be honest, like, that is his... The average person is never going to watch this version of the movie. They are never going to watch it. So he knows that his audience here are people that are going to go, ooh, Ryan Troy, and ooh, Dasad, and stuff like that. And, and your boy, Martian Manhunter, who's somehow become your favourite character. Yeah. I just thought how that we were just talking about how, like, man, it really is a shame Martian Manhunter is just never going to be in these fucking movies. And I'm like, it's him! It's him! <laughs> I could imagine how excited you were when it happened. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV. But it's him! <laughs> Absolutely no. Just to no one. Yeah. And I started to look down. Like, like I'd already like, oh, I, I let, Diane Lane is about to walk out of an apartment. Nothing important is about to happen here. And I'm just like, what's happening? Why her eyes red and point at the TV? <laughs> It is super fucking dumb that he turns from from Martha to his like normal appearance, and then he turns back to Harry Lennox just to be like, and it was him all along. I choose to interpret that as he has to go back to his original form. He has to reset. Train. He can't just go from one he, to the other. I really hope they stick with that too, and it causes problems. <laughs> like I hope like they have to make more movies because has, there's too much demand. And they feel compelled to stick to that. I, um, I would like to see Martian Manhunter in a Ethan Hunt-esque stealth mission that has complications in the middle, and that kind of stuff has to happen. Yeah, that causes them problems. <laughs> um, on side note, one, I actually think I actually think it's kind of sweet that fans came up with Harry Lennox as him, and he actually was able to set aside his ego to be like, yeah, sure, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think that like I think that captures why I was so confused at the beginning. As like I don't disagree that he's a dumb person. I don't think he's a bad person. It's inarguably better. My thing is, it's still not great. So I went up from two stars to three. You've gone two to four. I do enjoy what 
you know, the restoration, you know, especially the Cyborg arc, that is really, really good. I'm, like, I'm totally going to watch True Detective Season 3 now. Yeah. Because I, who knows if will ever do anything ever again. Hollywood studios do not like it when you call them out for the racism. No, they don't. They unite around the idea of not using it. I would say this. I think Snyder has to use any political capital he has to get him in more movies. Anybody with this movie who has power needs any like actor or director or producer with power has to do that. They owe it to him. Yeah, that's my thing. Like he should have been a star coming out of this, and instead he is likely going to have a difficult time. And like I would like to see him in something else. Like this was his first movie, I think. Yeah, but I think like stage actor is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, like the possibilities of like. Yep. Even just within this world, let alone like he seems like a real talented, real actor. Like this isn't like they have to build around his weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This is like he's actually just doing a really great job. Yeah. Even in this world, like just the team up possibilities. Like because I'm not, I don't, I don't think these solo outings are generally a good idea. I think like most of them need to be at least stealth. Even if they want to be marketed as solo, they need to be stealth team up movies of some kind. Yeah. Give everyone a team. Give everyone a little. Yeah. Uh, satellite of characters what was it the uh i think probably the first one that was modeled this way was uh captain america and black widow and winter soldier i immediately i was just like ah yeah this is a better way of going about this going forward yeah and he he could have done that with i think virtually any character in here he had chemistry with yeah and had a little bit of some kind of connection with them yeah i mean the rumor for a long time was flash and cyborg were going to be together in a movie and i'd be down for that but yeah. We'll I mean, the fact that they, I mean, removed him from the movie is, I, there's no good implications. I mean, what if fucking Zack Snyder just directs that Flash movie like with, with with Ben Affleck in it and, and Michael Keaton, and, and which is probably going to be a sort of soft Flashpoint, like, maybe? I, I, would, I would hope so. I mean, I, not, excuse me, when I say I would hope that if Zack Snyder did it, he would he would make sure Ray Fisher would. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally um, agree. That would be, like, the best thing to come of this is if Zack Snyder is able to sort of, like, save Ray Fisher's career kind of thing. Just a quick, like, roundabout. Uh, Jeremy Irons is still really good as Alfred. Oh, him teaching Diana to make tea is a very good scene. I think, in general, one of my favorite things about... And, you know, like, I, I'm, not a, I'm not really big into the whole which Batman is better thing. Mm. I, to me, it's more like... What I kind of like is that this feels like a very spiritual sequel to what Christian Bale did. Imagine basically if the Joker didn't happen and he just kept doing that for 20 years. And that's kind of what I personally imagine what like what it would look like. Yeah. The way they characterize their relationship, uh, Alfred and Bruce's relationship, Alfred and Bruce in general, is totally with like, okay, these audience have fucking seen these characters before. We don't need to spoon feed them. Like yeah. we, I think Irons does a really good job. Like he balances just the right tinge of warmth and tinge of bitterness with helpfulness yeah. that I think is what was needed. We talked about Kai Nielsen. She really, like, that is, like, what a tone setter for a yeah, movie. Yeah, she's great. Um, that's one of the things I think about, like, a future, like, Armies of Earth against Dark Side. Like, man, that might, like, she would be good in that role. Yeah. But then again, the smaller scale of this battle is partly why it was so effective. I just don't, like, I'm not, I don't have faith in large-scale Zack Snyder. Uh, action scenes yeah joe morton we talked about yep. it like fantastic cannot be stated enough how fantastic he was i like harry lennox as martian manhunter yeah uh, i mean he's barely in it but yeah <laughs> i like he's a good actor and i think he can do that role well yeah. uh, especially if miguel ferrer has died well not if he has <laughs> <laughs> what do you know <laughs> i think it's really amazing that 
Warners has botched the production of Flash for so long that Billy Crudup is no longer available because I think he's really good as his dad. Mm. Joe Manganiello yep. is an intriguing Deathstroke. We really don't have much to go on. I think he would have been a good Deathstroke. I just think that ship has sailed is the thing. Yeah. I, I think it'll, it will depend on like what how they measured the man. It's hard to measure it stream. Like, did people sign up for HBO Max to watch this? Well, that's the big thing. Like, what is success in this Netflix world? Yeah. Like, 200 million people watch the dumb Chris Hemsworth movie. It's like, well, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> if you, do you ever, like, check to see what the top 10 of Netflix is? Like, let's hope that's not how they, <laughs> like, what the future of Netflix is. Like, it's pretty dire looking. Bill, I thought Billy Crump was really good. I thought he kind of helped calm Ezra. We didn't really talk about Ezra Miller. I, I think he's fine. I think he's actually better at the underdog stuff than the twitchy quippy stuff um yeah i i do like the line about like i can't figure out people's rhythm because they move too slowly like i think that that worked quite well but then you've got stuff like he runs and sits in the batmobile and has a goofy look on his face that that's not good i think he comes out the same in the wash is my thing some of his he seems the least affected yeah yeah, yeah. transition yeah like, it seems like he was by design to be, like, the comedic relief. But I, I didn't, like, leave with a strong... Like, it, but I thought he was... Like, I thought his... At least his arc was strong enough that it added something to it in a way that Aquaman did not. Whereas Jason Momoa is just, like, a stronger, more charismatic presence than Ezra Miller. Yeah, I think that's it. I think we got everything. Yeah. It's finally out. People can shut the fuck up about release the Snyder Cut. It's an interesting thing to have happened. It is interesting to have finally seen what it was. Because, like, going into it, I wouldn't have ever said I was excited, but it was just such this curiosity of, like, well, what what is it? What did he want to do that's so radically different? And, like, I can see it. I mean, there's two... Honestly, what I really would have liked is actually for someone else with different sensibilities. I would love for studios to make big budget movies with the exact same cast and just have two different people make them and just like let's see what happens like this is so untenable i love the concept of this honestly i i find the concept more i mean like it's a fucking dumb superhero movie like there were not like the concept of two different filmmakers making the same movie is really fascinating mm. to me. And I do still think the best possible version is the one that's halfway in between. Like, I think take, I think you could take an hour off the four-hour one, keep a lot of the really good stuff that he put back in or whatever, lose some of the dumb, you know, lose that whole fucking epilogue. And I think you could have made a three-hour version of this movie, and I think it would have been good. But, you know, we got our four-hour version. I'll go edit my version. I'll, I'll release the Waters cut in two years, and... Uh, yeah, that'll be fun. In the meantime, you can go to entertherealworld.com and you can check out the Matt Signal. I review Batman the Animated Series. I've started Marvel Mondays. I'll be doing the so-so, uh, uh, <laughs> the Falcon and the Winter Soldier each Monday and then Loki and so on and so forth. That's a hard sell, those two. Mm. Is it good so far? It was a... It, the, the biggest blow away is like seeing these people as human beings for the first time like they have always just been a supporting character and like especially the Winter Soldier he has just been like a plot device for every movie and to see him behave like a human being is kind of tripping me out but it's not like the best first episode but yeah you know there's that and uh, Mike Thomas you're doing your continued look into all the Justice League movies I don't know if you've got plans for even more content coverage of Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League for this week, but... 
it's just uh it's just justice league stuff from here until june okay and uh we can return and we can talk about some of these movies you've been watching because uh i've seen them all and you've just watched them all so we might as well get some content out of it but yeah until then enter the real like comment subscribe and let us know what you want to see more of i guess in the future and mike and i might be back based on the current track record i guess like july something like that <laughs> well i think if we even if we record the justice league episode soon yeah. it'll probably come out after the the content is posted yeah let's put it out after your last one of your yeah, yeah, yeah. that actually be july there's there's some inside baseball for everyone there baseball yeah. a thing that i understand all right well this has been fun uh i was worried we'd have a dark phoenix on our hands it's in fact i thought it was quite an interesting conversation so thank you mike you're welcome man good right well bye everyone <laughs> Do me love to your eyes And you say